1: Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And in today's podcast, we're actually going to play for you, uh, provide for you here an excerpt of a webinar that Kathleen and I recently did on the topic of AI and RPA robotic process automation best practices and methodologies. You may have been hearing from us on our podcast, this repeating topic of doing AI and machine learning projects right. And we've now many years into AI and machine learning and some companies and some organizations are finding that their projects are failing. And most of the time, these projects are failing because the projects themselves are being run in a very poor manner. Be- Either they're running projects without realizing that they are missing critical data elements, that the data is not available or in poor quality, or they're spending a lot of time trying to access or gain or, or annotate data and not having that data, or they're doing things in the wrong order. They're, they're, they're doing machine learning modeling before they've even figured out the core base problem, the business problem they're trying to solve, or even have an understanding of the data or the data preparation needs, or many other times they're just biting off more than they can chew or have unrealistic expectations. The answers to most of these problems are doing things with best practices and with a methodology. And methodology is exactly what it sounds like, doing things in the right order and not missing things, doing things with best practices, knowing what things to avoid, knowing what things not to avoid. All of those things are critically necessary. So please listen to this 30 minute or so uh, webinar excerpt and um, hopefully you'll gain something on this topic of AI and RPA best practices methodology. Part of the reason we I wanna talk about best practices and methodologies is because a lot of times projects tend to get stuck. Uh, you you start uh, any sort of project it doesn't need to be a cognitive project it could be an analytics project it could be any sort of automation project and you'll find yourself getting stuck because you'll run into the things that have nothing to do with the technology a lot of times the technology <laughs> is usually the easy part um, and it's really dealing with people and dealing with these explicit and implicit processes that are usually the issue. Um, you know, of course, the second word in RPA is process. And so we want, when we think about process automation, many times we are thinking about sort of these explicit processes, which are the processes that we can, you know, think about. We, we think about the order of operations. We think about specific tasks. We think about, you know, maybe big processes like look to book, you know, from or procure to pay or order to cash or a procurement process or a supply chain process or a hiring process or an IT process. There's so many, of those. And to the extent that you know we know what we're we're doing especially if we're trying to automate some task repetitive task that we can save some significant amount of money by having uh, some automated system doing it that's great but a lot of times we get stuck because of the implicit processes that's the part of the process that is not very well defined that are often stuck in people's heads or maybe on paper or maybe there is no standard uh, maybe maybe different people do the same process in a different way or maybe the exceptions are really the majority of the process. And so a lot of times the the problems that we that we see arise from issues of people, of process, of data and not really technology related issues.
0: Exactly. Right. So it's not it's not necessarily the technology because sometimes that's the easy part to fix. It's all these all these additional things that need to take place. So you know, I'm sure that everybody um, is familiar with attended versus unattended bots when we have RPA projects. But it's important to be able to understand when to use attended versus unattended and really look to your processes and figure out what you're trying to solve. So we've put together this chart that really helps you. Um, you know, evaluate the what, the how, the when, and the why, to make sure that you're understanding your project and that you are moving forward in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, you know, methodology, that's what it's all about. We want to make sure that you have something that can be repeatable so that if somebody, you know, if you're out on vacation or you leave that role and somebody else comes in to take that spot, that we have something documented that people can look to. So... With this, you know, we break down the what of attended versus unattended, where, you know, with attended bots, we're going to be handling tasks for individual employees, where unattended RPA really automates some of those back office processes at scale. So if you have a lot of processes that, you know, are some of those back office ones, then You're going to want to look for an unattended. The attended is where, you know, I'm I'm just an individual. I'm doing these certain things. I can kick off a process. I'm there. I'm I'm monitoring it the whole time. It doesn't need to run overnight while I'm not there. That's really the what of it. The how. This is also important because you need to know, okay, how is this going to get triggered? Is an employee going to trigger it directly and then use that bot to carry out an activity? All right, then we're going to want attended. But are we going to be, you know, running this kind of in the background like I said, maybe overnight when people aren't there, can't monitor it, um, you know, does it, doesn't matter, then we're going to look for unattended. And the when, that's also important. We want to make sure that we're understanding when we want this triggered. Do we want them do we want an employee to trigger it every time that they need something? you know, maybe just as they're doing it? Or do we want bots to be able to complete entire processes or as much of a process as they possibly can without humans? Uh, needing to be there in the loop monitoring this the entire time. And then also we have the why, you know, why are we doing this? It's really important question to to ask yourself and make sure that you're using these for the correct thing. Do we want to improve? improve and increase productivity and customer satisfaction, maybe at call centers or service desk environments, you know, for that individual? Or do we want to free employees from doing some of those very rote, repetitive tasks that are low value but need to get done? Um, you know, or maybe even even high value, but they are rote and you can continue to, you know, you can use a bot for that. So when you're looking to figure out, do you want attended versus unattended, you really should be asking yourselves these questions and making sure that you're doing things um, the right way.
1: Yeah. And part of the reason why we talk about attended versus unattended is because we think about the kinds of processes that we are trying to automate. And that's what process automation is all about. I'll get into that in the next slide because we'll sort of break it down a little bit further. Um, You know, if you're you're in the middle of some operation and it takes the person, they need to navigate five or six different systems to accomplish some sort of task, right? And the, the use of the bot is to obviously simplify that to automatically extract information or put information or compile or consist or, you know, do some sort of task, then what you're doing is you're sort of saving that incremental time. And then you have to think about it from from an ROI perspective, okay, well, how many tasks is this person doing a day? Or you think about some of those other metrics, call center volume, you know, turnaround time, customer satisfaction, uh, cost per task, that sort of stuff. But there are many other tasks where something needs to happen, like you need to be processing something, taking invoice. Is the usual examples, like, you know, emails come in with invoices that are PDF attachments and you need to, it's like not a good task to have a person acting like a robot to go in there, open up the email, download the PDF, extract the information, put it in the system. A human shouldn't be doing that at all, right? That's so. That's part of part of the evaluation for that is to think about that. And I know we're kind of harping on this. i are like, why are we digging so deep into it? Because this gets to the to the core of what we are trying to do here, and that's this next slide here. You know, we think about robotic process automation, and I think people kind of get tripped up sometimes on these words, and they do mean something. We think robots, and people start thinking all of a sudden they start thinking about you know crazy robots, C3PO, R2D2, terminate, whatever comes into their mind of thinking about robots, although it's an iron ironic because the the 99% of the robots out there aren't like that. They're just doing some repetitive thing. Right? right. And then we think about process and people get tripped up. Sometimes they're like, oh, opening up an email and extracting a PDF. That's not a process. That's just a thing I do. I'm like, people. This is part of your part of your task, right? And of course automation, you know, people think about what does it mean to automate? So sometimes we, we we break, well actually many times we break it down. So let's sort of cross out this word robotic for a moment here. If that gets people tripped up and thinking about crazy things, we're gonna get into intelligence in a moment let's, let's think about this in terms of tasks, right. In terms of the thing or the repetitive stuff, the things that we are trying to be repetitive, the joke that we always say, or the thing we always say is if you were walking down the street and someone said, Hey, you're, you're acting like a robot or you look robotic. That's not a compliment. No one's saying, Oh, you're intelligent, robotic. And, <laughs> we get to robotic and intelligent are not synonyms, right? If someone calls you robotic, that means that they're telling you that you're acting in a robotic way, which is repetitive, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so so we would like to use the word repetitive, but repetitive process automation gets people tripped up. So let's replace the word process with task. I was actually saying it earlier, repetitive task automation. You might say, okay, so if I say I need to implement some software to do repetitive task automation, that might start to get you thinking about what are those repetitive tasks? You might not think, oh, well, downloading email is a PDF, that's not a process, but it is a repetitive task, right? So you can think about it that way. Or like I'm on the phone call with someone, I'm processing their, their consideration and I have to constantly go into five or six different systems, you know, that's a repetitive task. The word repetitive task might flip people out too. So sometimes a better way of saying it is workflow automation. And that brings about many different ways that we've been trying to do workflow automation for decades. Uh, and, but this being one of the lower lower friction, part of the reason why RPA has has g- gained traction is because it is lower friction than the other ways that we had tried to do workflow automation in the past, which involved a lot of coding or of of, of in systems integration things like that.
0: Right, right. And so one thing that's you know great about RPA is that you don't need to be incredibly technical to use it uh, you can get you know buy in from many in the organization rather than just a few who are able to do this but there are some challenges with RPA you know you need that human in the loop because if processes get updated or forms get updated and fields change the bot can't go in and figure it out for itself that this field has changed or it looks like it's, you know, pulling from uh, wrong data. Maybe somebody had, had uh, set this up incorrectly and now it's, it's you know, going crazy or that end the, the fields have changed. And so you're entering numbers into a name field, for example. Uh, so they can't easily handle process exceptions either. And also, you know, organizations, we always say at Cognolytica, 80 plus percent of an organization's content is unstructured. So that's going to be emails, video files, you know, uh, chat, audio files. I mean, the large majority of data and content at an organization is unstructured. So you need to be able to handle that. And bots can't easily do that. Also sometimes bots just get stuck on desktop machines. You know, if somebody creates a bot to do a simple a simple task, it can just get stuck on that machine. So in order to really bring RPA to the next level, we need to have intelligence. and we need to make these bots a little bit more intelligent because as Ron said, the word robotic uh, doesn't necessarily mean intelligence.
1: So, I mean, on its own, automation by itself is not intelligence because you can automate all sorts of things. Here we have an interesting little uh, gif, if you haven't seen this before, of an automatically right swiping on a Tinder app. <laughs> and then uh, down here, we have a machine that really doesn't do anything but pull itself out of the plug. I mean, those are automations, um, you know, uh, I mean, and you can automate anything, right? But in order to achieve some of these greater levels of, of capability, we need some cognitive capability, right? It's not just automation. We need to be Able to read text, you need to be able to understand changes. And the three key aspects of intelligence, when if you do any sort of, of research on the AI space and you look at machine learning and what are the what people are trying to achieve with machine learning, they're trying to achieve one or more of three things. One, the ability to perceive that's perceiving the world around you whether it's recognition systems conversation systems finding and discovering patterns you know all these things are part of perception of course the next thing is prediction which is um, if i is there a pattern can i do predictive analytics can i figure out what next to do oh my goodness the process has changed can i basically figure out what next to do and of course a third aspect is planning which is determining what to do you know if, uh, coming up with a with a with a goal with some sort of of, of uh, approach to a problem. The more that systems can do perception, prediction, and planning, the more intelligent they are, and the more they achieve what we are doing as humans. We're spending a lot of our time doing perception, prediction, and planning. So of course, if the system is rules-based or is programmatic, then it's the human putting in their knowledge and our intelligence in the system so that if something changes, the human has to go in and make the change because it's we're the ones building the rules, right? So what we really want is we want the machines to be able to Learn on their own. We want them to be able to figure out where the exceptions are, figure out how the processes are built, figure out how the data is changing over time, how to improve over time, how to basically deal with variability, deal with with uh, probability. A lot of big part of AI is probabilistic systems. If you're if you're if you're using the human to do all that sort of stuff, then the system's not intelligent. You are hopefully as a human, <laughs> but the system is automating that. But the more that we can make the system do that, the more we can add intelligence to our PA systems.
0: Exactly. And so here we have levels of intelligent process automation. And depending on the task that you need, you know, you don't always need intelligence, but it helps uh, you know, move you along. And so with any um, level of automation, we always say, you know, it's a journey. So start small, think big, and iterate often. Uh, so here we have the four levels of automation, and this is really where you're just going to start to continue to apply more artificial intelligence, more machine learning, more of that cognitive technology to these different levels to get them more intelligent. But with anything, you're never going to go from level zero, you know, fully, um, dependent on humans to fully autonomous. That doesn't happen. So make sure that you do understand that and that this is a journey. So at our level zero, this really is just unintelligent automation can be incredibly useful. As we said in the last slide, You know, I program my coffee pot every day. It's incredibly useful. I have a nice hot cup of coffee waiting for me in the morning. But if I forget to program it and I forget to put water in or I forget to put grinds in, it is not it is not going to give me that nice cup of coffee. So with our level zero, which is just that unintelligent automation, this really is just that screen recorder. You know, it's focused on replicating tasks, the humans fully in the loop, fully in control and managing this entire process. Um, so that's not intelligent. But now at level one, we're bringing a little bit, we're bringing some language and context awareness in. So we can use natural language processing, maybe OCR, which isn't really intelligence, um, but you know we can bring that in as well. Also virtual assistants to help with process development. We can fix and validate data as necessary, which is very important. And also deal with some of that unstructured data that we said, you know, that organizations have a lot of. At level two, this is really intelligent process awareness. So we're able to automatically identify process flows in new systems. This It, it can do that for itself. We call that process discovery. It can also anticipate and mitigate process flow exceptions. So it can, you know, start anticipating things start you know beginning to to figure that out and can understand ui changes which is incredibly important if a field changes for example you know the date field uh changes and it's now below name where it used to be in front of name before, the system's able to go in and automatically figure that out so that you're not getting stuck in that process. It can fix and find missing data and automatic process documentation as well, which is incredibly important if you need that. At level three, this is really autonomous process optimization. So this is where we are, you know, really um, have intelligent Bots where they're able to suggest and make modifications to processes, which is important because you know we have a lot of bottlenecks. As Ron said earlier, sometimes your process flows are not good; like they just shouldn't be done that way. So it can it can come in and suggest and make modifications. It really knows you know, uh, best best ways to move forward because it's been able to look and learn from the system. It can also learn from itself to figure out better ways to handle that that process flow, as I said, and then automatic orchestration to multiple bots to optimize processes. Now, like I said, this is a journey. So we do not have level three yet, but this is the end goal. Yep.
1: And, and part of the reason why we say this is we've seen some... Really great bots. I mean, we have some great examples. I know we've done some use cases. There's actually now several hundred use cases out there for RPA in many different mm-hmm. industries, and especially in government. Um, you know, we know that there are, are folks collecting different different case studies. We've seen many, um, and so there's many great uh, examples of ROI there. But but I have to say, we have also seen some pretty crazy RPA uh, bots. Where we're like, uh, I remember um, an organization. Uh, was very proud of the fact that they reduced some time for some process that usually took like an hour or two to to take something out of email and to put it in some sort of spreadsheet, and then what the what it did is then it took that spreadsheet or uh, crunched it together some data and then sent out another email, and they're like it used to take an hour to basically go from this email to that email, but we're like. Why are, what's the purpose of these emails?
0: We were like, like, you just automated a really stupid process.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Basically. And they're like, don't ask. That's just the way the process is. And we understand, you know, sometimes, you know, some organization, they want their data sent in a very particular way. But it's kind of funny, you you sort of run into that level very quickly, which is like, okay, the technology can solve this task automation problem you're having here. But you have to ask yourself why we're even doing this at all. That's a much harder conversation because it's much harder to change people than it is to change technology. I hopefully get a lot of nodding heads here. <laughs> so this actually brings us to methodology. And I think methodology to a lot of people seems esoteric or academic or like okay what is methodology and we kind of spend a lot of time saying well methodology is just the steps that you take to accomplish some sort of goal right it's your method your process right but if you don't want to use the word process because unfortunately it is a little overloaded so you want to think well it's like your method when you when someone says hey i need to come in i have this task to automate what do you do? Do you just start programming right away, uh, or it's like, I, or even more specifically, if you're trying to build an AI system, which is so dependent on data, you know, as a matter of fact, all of the functionality of machine learning systems are entirely dependent on the data. You can't just go in there and start hacking out machine learning models because you have no idea where's the data, how good is it, you know, w- w- what's the quality. So you have to follow a set of steps. You have to start with, okay, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Do I have the data that I need to solve that problem? Is the data even in the right format or in the right level of cleanliness? Okay, great. Now, what approach do I use to to get that data and and put it into a model or an automation, if I'm going to do an automation, that solves that problem? Then how do I evaluate whether or not it's actually providing a solution to the problem? And then once I say that, how do I get this out into the universe to actually work? Well, you might have that, that process might exist in your head, but for many people, there's no, a stat, for a lot of folks don't have this written down anywhere. So mm-hmm. you hire somebody new to your team. They have no idea how you're doing it. They will probably do it a different way. You add a new contractor to your project. They might do it a different way. You add a new vendor to your product. They might do it another way. What should take two or three weeks ends up taking two or three months mm-hmm. or two or three years, heaven forbid, right? you could solve this problem so easily just by having a method, a written down method. And that's what CPM AI is for AI projects. And it's it's basically combined a methodology that's been around for over 20 years called CRISP-DM, which is focused on data mining projects. So it was a cross-industry. It actually stands for a cross-industry standard process for data mining. And it was developed by SAS and IBM and NEC and all these companies. And it kind of was forgotten about for a while because it was very data-centric, but it's made a big resurgence in the form of CPMI AI where people realized, oh, I can bring in Agile. I can use the seven patterns, which basically helps me figure out what kind of project I'm running. And I basically do these things in iteration. So the answer is, can I have a fully functional AI project in two weeks? Yes. Separate to that, can I just have a fully functional RPA project in two weeks? is, heck yeah, right? As long as you know what problem you're trying to solve, as long as you understand the process and the data requirements, as long as everything has been prepared in the right way, you can get to that income with a high degree of reliability. So we harp on this a lot, right? We're advocates for, for good process, good method, right?
0: Exactly. And we continue to be surprised, maybe we shouldn't be, but we are, at how many people do not have a methodology. So as Ron mentioned, if somebody is new to your team, or if somebody leaves, or if somebody joins the project midway, how do you know what data that you've used? This goes for AI projects and machine learning projects. This also can go for RPA projects. You know, what What process are you trying to automate? Where is that data coming from? How are you managing exceptions? How are you adding AI into, you know, and more of that cognitive technology with those levels that we talked about? How are you looking to add that into your bots? are you not are you just doing it ad hoc a lot more people than uh you know we would like to admit are doing things ad hoc and that's why we advocate for methodologies specifically CPM AI methodology. Uh, We did not present the seven patterns here, but we have podcasts on this, we have Forbes articles on this. It's really a shortcut for thinking about AI because when we we talk about AI, it's a very umbrella term. And so I may be talking about chatbots, Ron may be talking about autonomous vehicles, someone in the audience may be thinking about a predictive analytics solution. And so with that, you know, it's a way to shortcut and make sure everybody is speaking the same language. So, if you're interested in learning more about seven patterns and CPMAI, we'll make sure that we give you those articles so that you can link to that. And really, methodology separates winners from losers because we have seen too many projects fail because people have not thought it through fully and they go and you know, move forward when they really shouldn't, because they didn't have the data that they needed in place. They didn't have a solid understanding of what business problem it was they were trying to solve. So, you know, as we mentioned, CPMAI methodology really does leverage decade decades old, uh, real world methodology experience for running big data projects, combined with the latest best practices. So if you're you know RPA we always say it's a journey to artificial intelligence it really helps you get your data in place and so you know make sure that you have uh you know if you're if you're doing RPA you have RPA bots in place that's incredible and then as you're looking to bring in artificial intelligence machine learning that cognitive technology make sure that you have a method and a methodology in place for doing so because we've seen too much money, time, resources wasted when people try and bring in these, you know, AI projects and fail. So that's why we are such strong advocates for this.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I would add to that is uh, for those who are, who are looking at the solution space, you know, here, because because uh, there are quite a healthy number of vendors in the space and some very sizable companies too. So, you know, you have startups in the space, but this is becoming a very well-developed market. Uh, something that we track, by the way, is Cognolytica. We spend about half of our time tracking the market. We do have market intelligence in this space, over 20,000 vendors, not all in the RPA space. Uh, I think in the RPA space, I think we're going look we're at several dozen, mm-hmm. uh, probably you're looking at here. And, they're, and, and from a feature set comparison, they're all providing some really robust features. The one thing I would like to add to that is to look at sort of the non-technology costs because there are many uh, uh, around uh, process development and process iteration, process management, process operation, uh, dealing with the non-process parts, dealing with the data. You might have bad data, data preparation and cleansing, you know, it sometimes takes up 80% of the time. Actually, I think we all have experience with that. It takes up the majority of the time. That might not be factored into your cost estimate. You might be thinking about the bot, but to get the bot operational, that's step four, right? Phase four in the methodology. You still got to do phase two and three, figure out what data you need and what quality it's in and then fix it. Um, and those costs might be significant. So I just, I just, this is part of that total cost of ownership, you know, really think about that. Um, there haven't been a lot of studies in RPA TCO, maybe something that we'll, we'll take a look at. but. Um, I just encourage to add, add to that uh, bit. So uh, hopefully you got something out of that webinar podcast where we explain quite a bit about these aspects of best practices and methodology mainly because a lot of times the reason why projects succeed or fail has nothing to do with the quality of the technology. A lot of the technology is pretty good. You can do almost anything with the technology. The, the success and failure of projects have a lot to do with making sure you're doing things in the right order and factoring in the things you have and don't have and not trying to start a project with the things you don't have or that turn out to be very difficult to get. Or doing things in the wrong order and then realizing you have to redo something. So methodology, which may seem really wonky and academic, has become incredibly incredibly important. And we're going to be spending a lot of time on our podcast diving deeper into this topic of methodology and helping people get better at doing AI projects right. So for more information on the CPMAI methodology, the Cognitive Project Management for Artificial Intelligence, CPMAI methodology, which is the industry best practice standard for doing AI and advanced analytics projects right, and even to some extent automation projects such as RPA projects, for more information on that, please go to courses, C-O-U-R-S-E-S, Cognitica, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. You'll find more information about the methodology there. You'll be able to start education, including get certified on the CPMA methodology. There's uh, nine modules in the course. And if you complete them, you get a certificate. There's actually an upgrade to the course of version six. So if you're reading, listening to this now, you can go take the version five and then just know that the version six is out. Doesn't really matter. The course material is basically the same. We just have extra modules. And if you sign up, you'll be able to get access to it if you sign up for the subscription. So um, again, just uh, find out more about CPMAI at courses.cognolytica.com. And you can find out more about the webinar that we were on in the show notes and more information about methodologies in general there. So thank you very much for tuning in, and we're glad that we uh, have you as our audience.
0: And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also, subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
1: Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognitica website and click on the podcast link.